Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by The Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Guinness, Luke Hancock here on a Tuesday. The phone lines, they are open. 8150-939-3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. If you want to hit us up uh, that way, you are welcome to do so as well here, Luke. Uh, we've got Louisville uh, on the heels of the uh, the pit game. Thoughts on that one before we sort of turn forward to uh, to Louisville facing Miami, uh, who is one of the more skilled, uh, dangerous kind of offensive teams, I think, in the league uh, this year. Uh, I think what scares me about that one is Pitt is not one of those teams, and they really were against Louisville. Not one of the better offensive yeah. teams? Yeah. I don't – You I think mean, they are? I think they're really solid. Okay. Um, I think they're they're solid on both ends. I think you know Bub Carrington is a guy that uh, has impressed me early. It does a lot of freshman mistake things out there and doesn't prioritize defense quite enough, but is still really talented. Um, you know they're dealing with some injuries, um, and they they're unique. You know the twins coming in there at their size, they can pass and shoot. And uh, Blake Henson hasn't been playing well, but uh, kind of got off a little bit with Louisville. It's just it's kind of par for the course in that game with good stretches and then a bunch of freshman mistakes or young guy mistakes in a row that lead to these runs. And all of a sudden you look up and bam, Louisville's, you know, the game's out of reach. And, you know, I think it was 20 to 26 and you felt like Louisville was going to be right there. And then you just don't lock in enough. It's like, I don't know if they're talking about the right things in timeouts or what, or focusing on the right things when we walk out of there, but the tough part is this team gets hit in the mouth a couple times. Teams make shots or they get, they have a couple turnovers. And then the response is, we got to make it all back right now. And so they start just overreaching. They start, um, you know, the proverbial, you know, can't shoot a 10-point shot to get back in the right. game. Right. To me, they start pressing so early and don't handle those moments well enough throughout the game. And that's what leads to the big runs by other teams. And then – the body language isn't great right now. Um, and I think more than anything else, Louisville has to get healthy. Like right now, you know, you were already – you asked me a, a long time ago, this is probably a month ago, six weeks ago, about what I liked. And I told you I, some of these guards. 
Yeah. You know, there are some pieces there. I said the the bigs are going to have to play more physical. They're going to have to be better rim protectors, paint protectors. Well, now with the injuries coming out where these guys aren't coming back this season, you've got one guy that is even close to ACC level to play the four and the five, and that's Brandon. And you don't see a lot of foremen that play stretch four that don't shoot it well. You know, like Kyle Keurig is an inch shorter than me, six foot four, and he could play a stretch four in the Big East because of the style we ran and because he had an absolute cannon. You, you don't see a whole lot of guys that don't shoot it really well and, and aren't super physical that, that manage in that stretch four spot. And look around, there aren't a whole lot that do it as young guys that are either freshmen or sophomores. So um, I think Trey White's got to get healthy and then they got to start to kind of scheme their way around being super small. Uh, Miami's a team that's too small, but they're strong, physical veterans that are ready to beat you up. And you're right. They are really, really good on the offense, Ben. Yeah, given uh, the shorthandedness, I guess, you know, at this point uh, of this team, and we'll see how long uh, that lasts, but what, like, what's, what's the style of play that you might even kind of turn to or strategically how are you going to play uh, as a team if you're that shorthanded up front uh, now? Let's just assume like Trey White's back in the next game. I think in the next game it's a little bit different because they're small. So if you're playing Miami, you just can't give them anything easy. You have to make them hit tough shots. You can't let them get out in transition and get a bunch of easy ones. You can't turn the basketball over. And a guy like Bensley Joseph sets the tone for Miami's defense. He is a guy, when you watch him in a defensive stance, you think, man, that guy was born in that defensive stance. He is just a, a hawk, one of the better on-ball defenders in the ACC, certainly. Um, and, and they're a team that really has great runs. They start to see shots go in, and it fuels them on both ends of the floor. So I think you got to be disciplined in taking care of the basketball. you got to get back and make Miami play against a half-court set. Um, contest shots, don't give them anything easy running at three-point shooters who pump fake and, and you just completely leave your defense open um, and, you know, do a little bit of what Miami does. You know, you, you got to pack it in a little bit more and then close out to those shooters. The difference is Miami's got a bunch of great shooters and Louisville has not shown to shoot the ball at a really high clip. So um, continue to create those fouls and, and you're going to have to eventually hit some shots against a team like this. You ever seen a team foul three three-point shooters in a game? Yes. Doesn't happen very often. Uh, not usually a good sign. Not a good sign. Uh, not disciplined. You know, you, you really, you, you know it's coming when you're, you're late like that and you're just launching yourself at guys. Like they're That's what that is, right? Now. That is uh, out of control, frantic, frantic. You know, when it's, it's pressing, right? So it's, it's help needs to come from in to out. So that's why defenses start packed in. That's why, you know, the pack line is, is famous because there's one person pressuring the ball and there's four guys that are packed in. And when the ball moves, the guy who's guarding the ball comes and packs it in. The guy whose man catches the ball goes and pressures, right? So when, when you get lost like that, when young teams get lost like that, what usually happens is you start spread out, somebody drives the basketball, and your help goes from out to in to defend the drive, and then he does the kick out, so it's out to end to back out to contest the shooter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's when you're late. That's when it's either an open jump shot and you're, you're you know, everybody's amped up right now trying to find ways to win. They want to show that they can, they can play minutes. It's a lot of young guys. And 
it's it's causing issues where they're they're pressing a little too much. Not pressing like full court press, but pressing like I've got I can't let my guy score, and making some mental mistakes. All right. So this text was sent, and I don't. Sometimes I'm amazed at uh, what people think they heard one of us say, versus what I. Sometimes I say some dumb stuff, you know. Every once in a while. I don't think that's what happened here, but okay. I'll read this to you. Texture says, so Luke can't be honest about what he truly thinks about KP and his coaching job? That's what I heard. Since we're talking about uh, men's basketball right now, I'd love to hear about some of KP's incoming players or recruits. So far, I've heard nothing. Not sure I've ever been through a season where there's absolutely no conversation about that topic. What's up with that? Given up. Uh, I, hold on, I'll let you yeah. get to the, the first part in a, in a second. As far as like the recruiting part, I think it's a completely fair question uh, because it's supposed to be the one thing that was independent like of him. Like he is a good recruiter wherever he goes uh, and then we'll see about the rest of it. And now they have nobody committed or nobody signed and one person committed, you know, for next year. And I guess you had the Carter Knox visit uh, and that's, that's really it. It, it, it is shocking. It, it should be scandalous that Louisville doesn't have anybody signed for next year. That's a big deal. Louisville should always have somebody. It is. Um, on the first note, I literally have said 50 times this show, I'm going to call it like I see it. It doesn't do me any good to sit here and say, yeah, KP should be fired. It doesn't do me any good. And in multiple circles, it doesn't do me any good. And it also won't make it any more true either. Right. right. It, it doesn't do anything for me. So do I think, you know, am I giving him an A plus? Come on. Right. Of course not, but I'm I'm going to evaluate what's happening on the court and talk through Louisville basketball and ACC basketball and and keep calling it like I see it. When Louisville was really good, I kept saying I'm, I'm just going to call it like I see it. This team's playing like in 2019, the best team in the ACC, and I felt great getting up there, you know, rubbing shoulders with Joe Barry and Carlos Boozer and saying, "Get out of the way, Louisville's here." Haven't been able to do that since. Um, in regards to what was the second part? Uh, about recruiting. So here's the thing. If I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and take into account some of his recent messaging, what if he keeps seven guys off of this current team and goes out there and gets four or five transfer players, three or four transfer players? Well, most people would say if I'm building out this roster, if I'm coaching next year, I would keep quite a few of these guys. And then I would go get four or five transfer veteran guys to fill in the gaps. And so, you know, don't get me wrong. I expected noise on the recruiting trail with, with high school guys. I expected guys like Carter Knox to be committing to the University of Louisville. I do think it's a big issue that no one has. But if his plan is, and I'm hoping Josh Hurd is having these conversations about how do you plan to change this trajectory, if his plan is, I'm going to go kill it in the portal. Yay. A plus. Great. On that decision. So, you know, there's two sides to it. Yes, there should be more noise in the recruiting of, of the young guys. I expected that from KP. That's why you brought the guy in here. Um, but if it is me, just being fair, like I'm going after the portal. And I'm not – it's not that I'm not recruiting now, but I, I, that is definitely my focus. I'm going way more Memphis now versus Memphis, James Wiseman, and Precious in that crew. The funny thing about it is I, I think in some of his discussions of 
the portal versus recruiting and that sort of thing. You know, he says some version of uh, there aren't a lot of guys who can come right in and demand a lot of minutes on this team now. Talking about the portal? I'm talking about high school guys. Okay. And I think that that's probably true of a lot of guys. But we, this is Louisville. You should be able to get some guys who can help from high school. That's why you got hired. And the tough part is his messaging has been very poor. Yeah. You know, he gets up there and talks about, look, at you see all those All-Americans over there? Who's he talking about, Mark? Who's he talking about? The, after Kentucky? Yeah. If you want to sit there and, and show so much love to your former, like, if that's how you want to do it, then do it. But you're, you're allowed to sign those guys, too. Yeah, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> You know, you can't you can't yeah. have it both ways. You got to do something. You went out and got young guys. If you don't believe in the young guys, why'd you go get all these young guys? Well, the, I agree. Like, if if the plan is like, hey, I'm going to hit the portal, you know, next year. If in, in, in which case, that's you wouldn't see. But no one thinks that he should be in this position where it's like, I'm going to sign all high school dudes, and then I'm going to sign next year all portal dudes. Like, it, it should always be a balance of the two. Uh, and that Louisville should always be able to get high school kids who can be impactful as freshmen, period. To some degree, you, know, like it, you don't have to have, you know, a guy come in and be a bona fide starter and, you know, a one and done. But you expect to be in the conversation with those guys, like Carter Knox. I mean, it's nice to be in the conversation, but so far, he's been here quite a bit now. We, we don't have any of those committed. We don't have any of those guys that, that we feel like, man, that's a five-star or four-star that's going to come in here and make an impact. You know, you've, you've gone out and kind of taken the the worst of both worlds, I guess, where you go get transfer portal guys that are still very young and unproven. Well, and it just uh, – and I hate, you know, pitting coaches against each other. Uh, but we had Brendan Quinn on who wrote that article for The Athletic about there was a lot of talk on the recruiting scene when Louisville hired Kenny and, and Nolan and these guys that they would be very active. And then people in the industry are like, where are they? We don't see them at any of this stuff. We just had Jeff Walls on who left in the middle of the week to go watch a high school player play yeah. and, and left Stephanie Norman and the others in charge of the team because he can do that uh, to go recruiting. I got to be honest, with you, I'm not saying that it never happens, but I've never I've not heard of Kenny being out there doing anything like that at all. And so I do think it's fair to at least wonder, like, what is being done in that regard? And question sort of like the overall process here. They should have somebody. That, that's where I'm at. Should have somebody because, you know, if, if you don't have, like if, if nobody can see the fruits of your labor, you know what they're going to start to do? Question your labor. They're going to start to question your process. And if he's a guy you bring in to be a top-level recruiter, at some point you're going to be like, man, you got to recruit. And I guess the, the most staunch – KP supporters are going to say, well, how's he supposed to recruit in this environment? Well, change this environment. That's part of it, man. Right? Like you, there is negativity going on right now, but it's not all negative, right? Well, like Jeff Brom came in here and, and there's a different story going on. There's different vibes over there on the football side. So can he turn it around with the, the kind of negativity? Who knows? But we're not in this position, and KP didn't do anything to get there, right? So he's got to find a way to turn it around. And you start to pick up a few recruits, and your fortunes can change really quick, and your, your, the mood around the program can change. Um, you know, there are schools that are getting guys eligible for the second semester. You know, I brought up Memphis earlier, but they, they're going to get Tomlin in here 
uh, he's going to make a huge impact on that program. Huge impact. By the way, I heard Caleb Mills tore his knee up on that play. It was like a non-contact crazy yeah. call. Did you see that? Yeah. They're, um, he's, a, he's a guy that's – I covered him a bunch at Florida State last year, obviously, and um, it, it solidifies my stamp that, like, the, the guys who maybe aren't even scoring a ton of points but are great leaders for your program, how impactful they are. Because you've seen Memphis the last two games need buzzer beaters from Javon Quinterly and uh, not look the same. And it's not like Caleb, is, you know, they're they're leading scorer by a mile or just doing, you know, stat sheet stuff and craziness on the court. It's he does a lot of the little things that help that team go. So it's going to be a, a big miss if he can't come back. Texas says, stop talking like KP's getting a year three. He's not recruiting and the portal won't help. Listen, I said explicitly, I don't think he's getting a year three, uh, but he better think he's getting a year three. Like he and he better act like it. I said this earlier about Rick, right? Like, if I'm an Iona fan, I want Rick Pitino to say, this is my last stop. You know, I've been everywhere. I've done a bunch of stuff. I'm not worried about, you know, trying to chase another dream. Like, I want to I want to win as much as I can here. This is my last stop. Even though I didn't believe that for one dang second. Right. Right? If I am Kenny Payne, if I'm the head coach at Louisville right now, do you think I'm walking in to a locker room, a film session, a practice, with anything but optimism that we're going to start playing our best basketball, we're going to make a run in the ACC tournament, and we're going to make it to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, we might not believe it. He's supposed to believe it. That's your job. Yeah. Instill confidence in your guys. Inspire them. Build them up. Now, I'm sure people are, are listening right now, and they're like, well, he's not going to do that. How the heck could you expect him to do that? I'm not saying that's my expectation. I'm saying that's the job. you got to get It isn't your going. expectation in the sense of, like, you think it's going to happen necessarily, but it is in the sense of, like, I'm allowed to ask that of you. Yes. Like, that's why you're here. All of you have played good basketball for stretches. All we have to do is play 40 minutes of our best basketball and continue to improve week by week. That would be my message. Go in there and fight and give these guys confidence that, hey, it's not been all bad. I know it feels like the, the world is just on your shoulders and the, and the walls are closing in, but, hey, guys, it's not all – count your blessings for a second. Look, at, look around you. Look at what the, the opportunity you have in front of you and inspire those guys to go out in the next game and play their best basketball for 40 minutes and they'll have a chance, like they did against Texas, like they did against Virginia Tech, like they did against Indiana, having chances down the stretch in all of those games. 81-50, That's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. 38-31-93-9 for the UPS Jobs Text Line. Mark Weinberg uh, reporting just a little while ago. We have had over 50-mile-an-hour gusts wow. uh, today. It has looked like it uh, at times. Uh, today for sure. I lost power last night. I told you this over the break. Uh, had a little, I don't know, I'll call it an electrical issue at my house at 2.11. I know that exact time because it was uh, a loud speaker that was going crazy <sighs> in my house at 2.11 in the morning. I have a two-year-old, by the way, so I sprinted downstairs. I didn't get a gun or anything. I was just very nervous that someone was in my house doing something crazy. And uh, But this old speaker system that's all through my house was going nuts. Then we start losing power at like 3.30 sporadically, so everything starts beeping and all that. It was it was a crazy night, and it seems like it's going to be worse with looking out your window right now. It's These gusts are pretty wild, and it's making UCLA sound better. <laughs> <laughs> they have their own issues uh, out uh, there. Facing this Miami team, yeah. uh, even if they're limited in any kind of way with, with what Louisville has, I mean, what – What's the, what is the best – how do you attack this team 
if you're Louisville? What what's the game plan if you can come up with one? What well, gives them the best chance to win? Um, if it's me, I definitely attack Norchad O'Meara early. Try and put him in some pick and rolls. It's a lot like Louisville in the, in that regard where like if I'm playing Louisville, there is no other option. You are going to attack Brandon Hundley Hatfield yeah. in terms of trying to get him in foul trouble. And the the whole team identity is is different. If you go play against Duke, you attack Filipowski and try and get him in foul trouble. I don't really care if you're down ten nothing. If he were to get two fouls, you got a better chance to win that game. It's the same with Miami. Norchad O'Meara is a huge piece to the puzzle for them. Um, you got to attack him. He's a brick wall down there. He's only six foot seven, but if he plays off of you, Brandon can score. So I would throw it inside early. And then how you slow them down offensively, you know, you got to keep these guards in front of you. You start to reach, you're not disciplined. They, they can go, and these guards can really play. Bensley Joseph, uh, Nigel Pack, the kid Keyshawn George, who, by the way, is their tallest starter. And now that's with Wooka Poplar out, but he's six foot eight, freshman, a kid. He is very, very talented. Um, you know, you got to keep those guys in front of you. Don't give them any opportunities to take advantage of you because you've reached or gambled or anything like that. And then ultimately, you got to make sure they're not getting hot from the three-point line, running them off the three-point line. And by the way, you asked me what you should do, not what will happen. <laughs> I was going to say – I see your face. You, well, I was going to say – okay, good. My face – sometimes I don't know what my face is saying. <laughs> but, so I was hoping <laughs> it was saying the right thing there uh, because I could not help but give you that look when you said you've got you, you got to keep guys in front of you. Luke, now would be a fine time to start keeping guys yeah. in front of you. And that's the thing, like – you know, we we talked about analytics, and I guess, you know, I know Tom Izzo said analytics are crap, but listening to Jeff Walls talk about how they dive into not only the analytics of what makes his team go, but the teams that they're playing against, I don't see how you function without doing that. Yeah. You know, figuring out, all right, every time we drive baseline, 74% of the time we're turning the basketball over. We got to stop driving baseline. Uh, when we get in transition, we're scoring 60% of the time or we're getting fouled. All right, we got to get out and transition. Like the little ways you kind of piece together the analytics side of this, you have to build on your strengths as a program. Accentuate your your positives. Yes. It does I agree with you that I felt like early in the year they figured out or they had kind of an identity of we're trying to score from the 1-yard line every time and we're either going to score at the basket or we're going to get fouled and shoot free throws. But what worries me about it is what I thought was at least here's an identity might have just been the product of playing a bunch of bad teams. And like the lately, that is just not there. There are teams who just can defend you without fouling you. And now I don't know what they're trying to be offensively. And also, like, you can't have – like, these, these are good coaches you're going against. Yeah. So you can't just have it all one way, right? Like, if, if all you're going to do is drive – the pack line's going to be pretty effective. They get to watch film, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna scout themselves. So, you know, you have to be able to, to space the floor to some degree. And, and it's not like you have guys that just flat out can't shoot it. you got to get the right guys shooting shots. I mean, what was Mike James doing last game? And, and Curtis Williams the game before. Yeah. Now – It's in there. Again, it is in there. Pieces to the puzzle, right? So, I think Curtis Williams is absolutely atrocious on defense. 
I think it gets lost. I think when you have to stay attached to teams that run off of like um, doubles or their screen the screener action, he falls asleep. And so he's so late on his recovery, it puts everybody else in a bind. So when he's late, yeah, maybe they come off and shoot a jump shot and it's easy to just see, all right, well, Curtis was late coming off that down screen. But then it builds to, all right, he's late, but then he gets to him and fouls him. All right, he's late. There has to help has to be there, and then his man dumps it down for an easy layup. Um, you know those type of things. You, it, it all has to flow together, and the freshmen they, they've shown they have to really buy into the film and dissecting the analytics because they're giving up. It's the old adage of like, score twenty, give up twenty five. You don't win games that way, right? So they do good things. But you got to piece the whole thing together. And like I said, on the offensive end, getting shots for the guys that can make them, Curtis Williams, Mike James, Sky Clark, even Tyler when he's not, you know, shooting the tough contested When ones. it's a good one. Yeah, when they come to him and they're in the flow of the offense, um, those guys can shoot it. They just, again, got to start piecing the whole package together for 40 minutes. Let's get Mike in here next. Mike, welcome into the drive on the Thunder. What's up, bud? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was just listening to a few minutes ago. Y'all were talking about like the negativity around the program and the things that have went right and wrong, and you know, kind of like almost. And it kind of got me to thinking. You know, has there ever been a coach anywhere, especially in our program, that has started to struggle where there has been this many? It's like several dozen donuts every morning of excuses of why things aren't going right or why they aren't successful. Is it the injuries now? Is it the players aren't good enough? Is it that players left? Is it the fans are negative? Is it that, you know, it, I mean, what is it? And how many, see, last year it was the black cloud hanging over the program. And I'll be honest with you, it, it's like we trust, you know, we trusted the process. There's not a, but, but there's not a link on how long we have to keep giving our trust until we realize this product just kind of is starting to really stink. And and so at some point, uh, it, it kind of is what it is. And with all of these excuses, let's say every excuse that keeps getting pumped, uh, you know, pumped at us from certain uh, sections of the fan, you know, fan base, or even sometimes in a very passive-aggressive way from Kenny Payne himself, these excuses that are pushed out to us, such as winning is hard. Um, at what point do we start to say, who is responsible for fixing, even if those excuses are legit? If the fans are negative, they're not just going to wake up and become Brown positive one day. Something's got to change. The players just aren't going to start playing better on their own because they woke up one morning. Somebody is paid, hired, and placed in a leadership position to be effective and to, and to affect that change. Why are we still just covering up for this guy and I'm not saying you all, just overall, why is there so much cover-up for something that's starting to really stink and it's rotten? I appreciate uh, the call there, Mike. I, look, I, I agree with the part uh, about the, the, the way uh, mitigating circumstances have been kind of perpetually being brought up uh, without much of an expectation of, of the improvement. Like, nothing's gotten better. It's that simple. We look at the uh, metrics on, on just about anything. Nothing's gotten better. And even if, to, I'm going to sound like Bobby here, even if I grant you everything that you bring up as a mitigating circumstance for why things have been difficult for Kenny, I don't deny 
any of those. My complaint has been all of that being true. Uh, can you say with a clear conscience, like this is as good as it could be that you've maxed out whatever you had to work with? The answer is no. It's just, that's where I think it, no matter what you think of the things that worked against him, and there were many, and they were substantial, he hasn't crushed what he's had to work with and, and has, I think, worked uh, too hard uh, talking about the things that were working against him. And I thought, you know, the one answer that he gave when Tyler asked him, uh, Spencer, could we play that again just really quickly? Uh, the one answer that he gave where Tyler asked him about, self-imposed damages that was the phrase he used after pit and how much of that does he feel like is still really on him he said the words that like it's he's responsible but i didn't feel like it in in the whole answer can we just like let's just play that again really quickly kenny when you reference the the self-imposed damages that you see on the court what role do you think at all that preparation or coaching plays in any of that for you guys um i think when you when you're preparing a team to play a game and you're talking about this team. So we talk about when we're in the zone because obviously we can't just play one defense against good offensive teams. Then you have to talk about what could happen if you do this, if you do that. If they run this play, this is what we're doing. So we watched last year's game and we saw that they ran a wheel action against our zone. Well, to go to the point of two backdoor cuts, we talked about that. We went over it. Um, at the end of the day, self-imposed, I talked about it at nauseam. He didn't get it. The player didn't make the adjustment. It's still my fault. So I'm good with that. I can live with it. I'm going to do the same thing next game. And I'm going to do all the preparation, and I'm still going to take the blame. In this business, all the wins, kids. All the losses, me. That's what this business is. I don't think he's right about that. Sounds like Tom is a little bit, right? A little bit. But like, we give coaches the credit for everything. They don't get none of the credit and all of the blame. They get all of the credit and all of the blame. We, we don't – like coaches are – especially college basketball coaches are, are little demigods. Like we give them credit for everything. College coaches in general. Absolutely. Yes. They they they, exactly. That is exactly right. But I really felt like that answer was defensive. Like to me, he sounded like he re like the point of that answer was, well, I tell these guys, it's not the game plan's fault. We talk about this. I tell them. I, I didn't like that answer at all. Because there's not a thing where he, uh, sorry, there's just not a, a, a step where he stops and is like, and it's not working. So we got to figure out other ways to get these things. Like, like that never happens. I think he really thinks his job as a coach is to tell. Because that's all we ever hear about. I tell them this. We talked about this. And it never goes any further. And it never changes. Yeah, I, I just have to lean in on that one piece you said there about you may be telling them certain things but it's not connecting. If they're not going out there and executing your game plan, what's the miss? You know, I know there are a lot of coaches out there that try and do these super high-level in-depth scouts where each player has 15 minutes of game film and you're getting super analytical on so many aspects of what they do. 
And these kids, their like attention span is like a goldfish. It's like here and there, and you know, there there is obviously an issue with how they're preparing for these games. And for KP not to be able to take a step back and say, hey, something has to change, to be able to talk to his guys and say, where are you missing this? Because after the game, like if it's Pittsburgh, after the game, hey, man, I told you Blake Henson was going to shoot the ball right in your face, that he needs no room at all, and that you could not let him square up to the basket and get it, get it to his shoulders. He made three threes late that cost us the game, that pushed, them, pushed the run out. Why didn't you listen to that? And if they can't have that conversation, okay, that's one thing. You, you know, it, it could be a you, you need to go rot on the end of the bench thing. Like, uh, but Michael that's Shrewsbury. the thing that never happens. Yeah, well, there's got to be that follow-up, right? Yeah. And so whatever the disconnect is, you know, you don't have a system in place that's proven to work because you're a new head coach. So you got to adapt a little more and adjust this game plan and figure out how to get these guys inspired and then able to really – you know, go out there and execute what you're trying to do with your game plan. You want to lose games because, hey, we decided we were going to pack it in. This is a team that doesn't shoot the three ball well. And they went out there and, and made 60% of the threes they shot. You know, that was our game plan. We, as coaches, that's what we decided we were going to do. We got to, we got to do better in our game plan. Not, I told these guys this team couldn't shoot and – they went out there and just made everything. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Yeah, like, that's right. not going to work. But sometimes when he talks like that, he sounds like a, a street preacher. Like, I stand up at practice and I just yell everything they ought to do to these guys, and they just don't. They just keep walking. And it, 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 there's never the yeah, next no step. No one's going to be like, oh, okay. Uh, I, he said he told them. That's all he can do, right, Mark? Right. I mean, that's not how it works, right? right? You, you have to find ways to get your point across, get your message across, relate to these young guys, because I hate to tell you, everybody scouts. Everybody across the country scouts. Certain teams, their scout works a little bit better than other teams. Right? Jeff Walls, starting to see his team really embrace the scout. He just talked to us a little bit ago about, hey, this was our best job. I don't know if I've heard coaches say that before or at least very often my team embraced and paid attention to and executed our scout better than they have the entire year at this point in the season that's really rare and for him to be that focused it's usually on kind that, of a, they either do or they don't right right or they're doing this concept not like our overall scout man they really just bought in in this game and you're certainly not hearing that about KP, but I would expect if you're telling them all this stuff week in and week out and nothing's coming to fruition, that you're changing enough things where at some point you're going to be able to say that comment. Like it, we didn't get through to them with our scout that lasted 45 minutes. So what we did was we, we really narrowed it down and we tried to just focus in on the things we thought were most important. We went from 45 minutes to 15 minutes of, of film right before the game on what was most important and they executed our scouting report better than they had all year. Like you gotta be able to come through with some, some things that give you some wins and deposits. You know what I mean? Yeah, the deposits, that's that word. Yeah. It's, it's perfectly apropos for the sorts of things that have been needed and just haven't happened. Uh, let's squeeze a Jay in here and then we need to take a break because we have not done so at all here in the five o'clock okay. hour. Jay, welcome in Jay, buddy, what's up? All right. Quick. That was uh, nice and easy. Appreciate that. Let's. We need to take a break. Yep. We'll come back here, Jackson. Uh, Uber Andre. We'll get to you guys uh, as well here on the other side, on the drive on the Thunderville. Be right back.
Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. I don't normally say, Luke, like who's on hold before we go to break, but when it's Uber Andre, like I wanted people to just wait through the break because they'll be mad they missed it. So Uber Andre, welcome into the drive, buddy. What's up? Mark, Luke, good afternoon, gentlemen. Is this real life? Kenny, are you really still saying this? There, there's, you have to find ways to connect with the kids. Some you yell at, some you put your arm, arm around, some you have to show. Some are, they have to see it in order to know what it is. And I really thought that Nolan Smith would be the great connector, no matter what. Coming from Duke with his ties and the experience, I said, this is going to be perfect. Danny Manning, he knows what he's done wrong in his coaching career. You're supposed to be there to say, hey, Kenny, I did this. I wish I would have done it different. Give him the guidance to lean on. The guy from Oregon, we're not even going to talk about that. Kenny Payne. You're at Louisville, man, and it's not about the scouting report. It's about adjustments. So when you go out and you see the first half and what has been done, that halftime, you have to make adjustments. That's what separates coaches from great coaches in the NCAA tournament. You can win on talent in the first round or two. Sweet 16 and in, it's about coaching and adjustments. And, Kenny, just like baby mama number eight, I want to give you a second chance. But you got to give me something to hang my hat on. When people play Louisville, what are they scared of? Is it, man, they are tough. They're going to kill us on the glass. They rebound hard. That press, they're going to turn us over. We can't get through it. Their three-point shooting is solid. I mean, they're probably going to make 10 threes a game. What is it that we do right now that other teams fear? you got to give something to be a staple. This is what we hang our hat on. And right now, we do not have that. You can't keep coming into these press conferences giving us this nonsense about, well, I told them. Well, I can tell somebody to do something. That doesn't mean they're going to do it. If you got to go out there with just one player that's doing the right thing, do that. Put everybody else on the bench. But we got to see some heart, some hustle. And if nothing, you do worse. You and the coaches stay in the locker room and tell the players, if you don't want to listen, if you can't get it figured out, you guys go out there and you coach yourselves up and let me see if you're going to do better because you're not listening to me. But give us something. And Billy Donovan, you're on the short list. Uh, Shaka Smart, you're on the short list. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm 100% confident it's going to be Chris Beard. Guys heard, let's get it together. Whatever you got to do, this cannot be maintained for Louisville basketball. 
5,000 or less fans in the Yum? Are you serious? I remember the miracle on Main, baby. We got to bring back the good times. Card Nation, we can't stand for this. Get us somebody in here that loves to win as much as we do and is sick to their stomach when they lose. And, Kenny, if that ain't you, we'll still love you, but it's got to be from afar. It can't be having the keys to this Ferrari and you trying to decide, well, I I told them what to do. That ain't going to work. Kick their butt. Tell them, get out of the game. Put the put the walk-ins on. Put them in. Get us down to the bench. If I got to, I'll suit up. I'm only giving you two minutes. I don't play D, but I will shoot the three. Guaranteed to make at least one. <laughs> Gentlemen, have a great day. Mover Andre never disappoints. He needs some theme music. And I believe what he was offering there at the end was the 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 uh, trademark the the Akoya Gal minutes is what he was offering there. <laughs> If Akoi got minutes, that was usually a really good thing. When I played a uh, second time around, you know, he was much more impactful. But that's how that goes. Man, uh, first of all, love the energy. Always. Um, you know, but talking about next coach, you know how I feel. Um, I will say I got to play against Shaka Smart's team when he was at VCU. And just in terms of style, love the havoc. Love the havoc. That was a year um, his team went to the Final Four, actually. Yeah with uh, Brad Burgess and Joey Rodriguez and that crew. And I, that's one of the few teams where like, I got a little old school mentality. I didn't have very many friends out like while we were playing. Um, became friends with guys like, you know, those two and, and even teams I hated like Cincinnati. Sean Kilpatrick and I are good friends now. But while I was playing, there wasn't no hey, sure. buddy before the game kind of stuff. But anyway, um, love the energy. Uber Andre, love it. Let's get to Jason in here next. Jason, welcome in the drive, buddy. What's up? Hey, Mark. Hey, uh, Luke. Hey, appreciate it. Sorry to make you follow uh, that. I know. That's tough, man. That's just going to be a tough room here. <laughs> um, but I just want to get your guy. One thing I've had a thought, and I just maybe get your guys' insight. And it's um, just in general, just kind of a general, um, I guess, when the postmortem on the, the Kenny Payne era is written or the 30, 30, 30 for 30s made, Somewhere along the way, because we, you know, one of the knocks has always been, you know, the lack of urgency and such. Mm. Did, did he? Did, do you think that at some point, that in his mind, he thought he would just get all the time he wanted, or was it inferred along the way from someone? Not saying, not necessarily saying like Josh Hurd, but just somewhere along the way, somebody it was inferred or implied that oh, you've got all the time you need. Or because it's just like, you know, we talked about, you know, just going back to the client, you know, playing the hits, you know, the not hiring a strength coach until late, taking so long to, you know, taking so long to hire staff. There's just all the general things and it just acts like there's, you know, there's with the, with that angle of it, with the lack of urgency angle, it's just, I've always wondered, and I'd love to get your, have your guys insight. I mean, do you think that he just felt that there, he did, did he feel there was no urgency at some point was it did he think because of you know because of who he is you know being Kenny Payne the national championship you know the great recruiter at UK and other places and did you know did he think his status was going to give him cover did was it implied from some outside or from you know his alumni buddies that he was going to have cover I don't know it just seems like you know why was there such a lack of urgency and again did he you know was it implied to him that he that there didn't need to be a lack of urgency or did he maybe think to himself i don't there doesn't need to be a lack of urgency and that's that's all i'd like to i'd like to get your insight on that and i'll i'll hang up and listen i appreciate it thanks for the call there jason i mean first things first 
no one expected to be in this position. Like KP, nobody would have hired KP on the front end if they said, all right, you're going to win four games in your first year and going into year two, the, the people are going to have these feelings. Like you go into it expecting, hey, there are going to be some, some speed bumps. There's going to be some rough times. But ultimately, our team is going to show an identity. We're going to improve. We're going to get better. Year two, we're going to be better than we were in year one. We're going to continue to move this thing the right direction. Nobody, I mean, I don't think it's about, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I have all the time in the world. Nobody's going to fire me. No, I, I don't believe deep down in any way, shape, or form that KP ever felt that way. Now, do I think that, hey, you know, Kenny, you're going to be able to build this program and we understand it's in a rough spot and that you're coming into this with, you know, still NCAA stuff hanging over your head for a short time. We think it's going to be resolved soon. We know this is going to be a project. Yeah, I think that was part of the conversation. But, you know, it's gone to a to a pretty big extreme, obviously. And I think that's where we're at. Yeah, I I would be willing to bet you that he got pretty unrestrained promises of patience, but that assumed assumed in that was a floor they came in way below i you know you, listen we know this is going to take time you're not going to fix this thing overnight i don't think it occurred to anybody that they would have to say but you can't go 428 and like when that happens i do think it was like i i do wonder about what the conversations were like after year one like you get the chance to put two more coaches on the bench and you hire internally. You just promote guys inside. Like, how is there nobody? Like, does Josh? I wonder about Josh's philosophy of being the AD. Like, is that the place where you say, like, you got to let the coach be the coach? Or is that the place where you'd be like, Kenny, dude, do you realize you made no staff changes and, and then promoted internally after that year? Aren't you, are you worried at all about how that's going to go over? And, and I don't think Kenny is arrogant at all. But I'm worried that he did have a wrong impression of himself as far as like the ability, how people would would work with him in recruiting, and that like I do worry about that maybe he just not overinflated in an arrogant way, just wrong. What he would be able to lean on and who he'd be able to count on. Yeah, I don't think you're that far off, and and when I start to piece it all together, it's like. Now you look at the injuries and, and the team is shorthanded, especially in the front court with those bigs, man. You know, JJ being out and Dennis being out, uh, Trey White being out now, like you're, you are extremely shorthanded. And I mentioned earlier, if I'm Miami, the goal for the first, you know, 10 minutes of the game is just go at Brandon and try and get fouls because this team is totally different when you do. Um, but if if Trenton Flowers is here and JJ's healthy and Trey White's healthy and this team plays completely different, right? They they play a lot harder and they're like the pieces to the puzzle. If Trenton's there and this team is healthy, they're very different than they were last year. Yeah. So to sell the vision, I, I feel like you could kind of do that. Now, don't get me wrong, it has not come to fruition, right? Nobody's happy, but I could see kind of how you could sell some of that, like. I like Sky coming in. I like Mike James a lot, keeping him around. And, and same thing with JJ. You got rid of almost everybody from a team that won four games and decided to bring in your guys that were going to believe and trust in you. And then now we've seen the product and it, and it hasn't come full circle. But I could see kind of the sell 
as like, hey, man, it's not as bad as you think. We're building the foundation. I want to keep the guys that have, have contributed in-house and, and promote these two guys because they deserve the opportunity. Like, I could see part of that sell. But now, it, like, let's say he gets to year three, and that, if that was anywhere close to the conversation, you know, and Josh Hurd was like, oh, okay. Huge, amazingly massive issue there, obviously. Like, it's not, it's not the same sell again. What would Luke Hancock, the AD, do there? Like, You're talking end of last year? Yeah, pre being presented with that. I would have prioritized the need to be good immediately and yeah. said, you know, you're going after young guys. Like, as good as I think Sky Clark is, he's played 13 college basketball right. games. you got to find somebody more experienced that's won more games that's, that's been there and done that that you know is going to bring it every night. It's going to be a guy who can define what the program is going to be. You cannot bring back a front court of completely unproven guys or guys that were on that team last year and didn't produce at Isla. You have to go get grizzled veterans that will be physical in the paint, defend, that can score on the block. You, you know, NIL is obviously not an issue because what is Jeff Brom doing? It, right, right. So you have to go add two or three of these pieces to the puzzle. And what have you heard in the last – few weeks from Kenny Payne like we're only a few pieces away in the transfer portal I it's easy for me to say now but I would have prioritized you you cannot be you know around the 300s in terms of division one experience going into year two because you don't have any deposits already in the bank here we have to be good right away you have to prioritize the exhibition games you have to prioritize every single one of these early games and you have to get as many wins as you possibly can you know, I would have said, looking at the schedule, Kenny, if you're not 7-3, and three, it will be red alert. But we need to be better than that in those first 10 games. I definitely think – He had that three-game stretch, right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, DePaul, fine. Arkansas State, and Pepperdine, you had to go three out of three. There. Had to. That's right. And went one out of two. Or one and two. Right. I, I definitely think, like, when callers call in and they're, like, they wonder about, like, they're trying to make sense out of – not seeing the desperation that they think he ought to show. And I do think Kenny's stubbornness could be an asset in that you stick with something through the tough times. Like, it's, you know when stubbornness is a strength. But yep. then also, it, I think sometimes he's committed to this uh, notion. Charlie was like this sometimes, too. It's like media is kind of a problem, and you um, – Anytime that there's a, a public expectation of something, you you refuse it even more. And it's like, but you those are the kinds of games you can play when you win. It's just annoying when you're not winning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, again, it's like the coach speak and the stuff that everybody liked right at the beginning that's gotten kind of tired, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Like, if you're winning, all that stuff about playing and loving each other and playing for the name on the front of your jersey and all that stuff, it all sounds great. If you win, it all sounds like coach speak. If you lose, or excuse making, just plain old excuse making uh, too. Uh, not like in the end here, we're, we're spinning our wheels until they just play better basketball. And the tough part is, like, like I said, you needed to have some wins under your belt now because the ACC slate is going to be really tough. Your your weaker, I guess, stretch isn't for a few weeks. You got really tough games coming up. Yeah, right now you've got uh, Miami, 
NC State, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Duke, and then Virginia again, and then Clemson. It's it's hard to see. No, it's not pretty. All right, that is going to do it for us here. You guys have been listening to The Drive on Attendeville. See you.